Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast. Deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15 10, 5 Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring. Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. From Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweetjhood. Also on Snapchat, snapjhood. You follow me on Snapchat. I will follow you back guaranteed as we broadcast live. From our first Midwest Bank Studios. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, M's in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank account. First Midwest Bank. Bank with momentum. On the program tonight, we're going to hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. We'll talk to him in a matter of moments as the Cubs get ready to try to win a game against the Cincinnati Reds. Also, we will have one question for you, uh, a special one question. You know, some people just don't have time to have a full interview with us, but somebody's going to stop by for at least one question coming up at 7.50. Also, the great summer of football. Ah, yes, our fourth year doing summer of football. No one jumps on the football like under the hood because we've been doing this, getting an earlier start on football conversation faster than anyone else, on football conversation for college football, for pro fantasy football. Tonight, we will talk to a Chicagoan, a two-time Super Bowl champion from the Big Ten Network, the great... Howard Griffith is going to be on the program with us because Big Ten Media Days is right around the corner. So we're going to talk to Howard how he sees the Big Ten versus other conferences in college football. So if you're a Big Ten fan, ILL, OSE, Northwestern, whoever you're a fan of, stay by your listening advice. Come up at 810 right here on ESPN 1000. Also, we have Nick Friedel who covers the NBA for ESPN.com. We'll hear from Nick and get his thoughts about some of the storylines around the NBA. I, I've been hearing some questions about Clay Thompson and whether or not Clay Thompson was he, did he want to stay with Golden State? Um, some questions about his demeanor around the Golden State team. Uh, we'll talk to Nick about that and try to get that confirmed coming up in two hours from now. You're on ESPN 1000. And if you're a wrestling fan, we got you covered. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Every Tuesday night, half hour after SmackDown Live is over on the USA Network, we got you. We've got a very special guest to talk about all the wrestling. And I mean all of it. This was a busy weekend in wrestling. <laughs> it's, just, it's a whole bunch of wrestling this weekend. 
Uh, and so we will uh, talk about what's happened with AEW, with the WWE, with Evolve, New Japan Pro Wrestling, all that coming up at 935 with Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN 1000. With you till 10 o'clock, then it's Dan Levitar, Stu Gatz, and Greg Cody right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hope that you're going to enjoy your Tuesday night as I keep you company here until 10 o'clock. All right, let's go out to Wrigley Field. The um, Cubs are getting ready to take on the Cincinnati Reds, and the big story, as you well know, is that Mike Montgomery is no longer with the ball club as he was traded. Mike Montgomery is a guy that I really like when he came to the ball club, and you will know Mike Montgomery because... I look back at that, and, uh, you know, it's, it's an emotional experience. And, you know, at the time, I, I didn't realize how much impact it was. But, um, you know, especially now, especially as I as I lead this team in, in the city, it's... It's, it's going to be, um, you know, something I can look back and, and really <clears throat> be proud of and, and uh, understand that, hey, you know, I was able to accomplish a lot here. And, um, you know, now it's time to move on. Because that man was on the mound in 2016, final out when the Cubs won the World Series was Mike Montgomery. I loved the signing at the time because of his versatility. But time ran out on Mike Montgomery. It just it happens to all of us. It ran out on Mike Montgomery. Montgomery was never going to be a long-term starter on this team. I thought short relief, he can be able to pinch hit and be a, a starter every now and then, but it just ran out, and Montgomery was ready to go. Let's talk to Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app as the Cubs get ready to take on the Reds. Jesse, as always, I appreciate your time. Your time. Uh, tell us a little bit about Montgomery. What did Montgomery mean for the Cubs in that locker room? Well, I mean, he was a quiet guy that uh, I think sort of was more in the mix when he was more in the mix on the field. In other words, when he had his 19 starts last year, when he was that guy that saved Game 7 of the World Series, I think he felt more part of the group. I think Kelly Crow was on our station today, and she kind of said it right. This year he was a little bit more isolated. He had asked for a trade early in the season. Um, he wanted to be a starter on another team. He got that wish finally, but for over three months here, it was a little shaky with him. Um, he just wasn't the same guy in the room that he was previously because, frankly, um, he didn't want to be here. Now, he want, I guess I should say it more directly, he wanted to be a starter. He would have loved it for that to have happened here, but once uh, Darvish got healthy and they uh, picked up Cole Hamill's option and Chatwood was still around, I think he saw the writing on the wall, and that's why early in April he asked for a trade, and Frankly, that probably affected his play on the field. But not a dark cloud or sulking in the locker room, was he? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, look, he's not an everyday player that's going to affect the whole room or anything. But I think I think there were some guys down in the bullpen that, that basically wanted to see him either accept the role that he was in or, or move on. So um, I don't, he may have had a dark cloud just above him, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Not over the whole bullpen or the whole team. Because, you know, he was just kind of a small part this year. But um, it just they, they needed to do something with him. They needed to move him on or give him a different role or whatever the case may be. And so finally it happened. It just sort of clears the deck of one issue the Cubs had to deal with sort of behind the scenes. This is why, you know, this stuff didn't blow up because he just wasn't that big of a part of the team for it to blow up. But um, all of this was going on behind the scenes. A dark cloud over Montgomery's head. I can understand that. We we work with people like that in the business with a dark cloud over their own head. I understand that. Yeah, uh, our business, 
many, many, many have that cloud over their head. This trade that took took place, Jesse, seems like it's um, somewhat temporary, depending on when Contreras is back. So you expect a corresponding move to try to find a lefty at some point if you're Theo, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's a chance they could flip one of these catchers. I think it would be Maldonado. There are other teams interested in him. Remember, he said that in the press conference. So we know there's other teams that would want that third catcher. I think teams are nervous about this first year with a one trade deadline uh, situation, July 31st. I mean, God forbid you have a catcher or two go down in August. In the past, you could go find one. Or even in September, you can't do that anymore. So I think every team wants to find that third catcher and either stick him on the major league roster or stash him in the minors. The Cubs have their third catcher. Now, they could flip Maldonado and still get a different catcher. It's a game of musical chairs here. So I think they're going to let it play out all the way up until July 31st and then make a few decisions there. I'm guessing all three catchers stick around. That's my gut feeling just 24 hours after the trade. Because of the versatility. So I get that. Yeah, versatility and the fact that, again, you have an injury or two in August. I I don't know. You just don't want to take any chances. And if Maldonado... Um, he, he brings a different skill set than the other two guys. So there's a need for him. If he, if he uh, gets comfortable with the team in the next two weeks, why start over with another catcher? So that's kind of my feeling. One way or another, they're going to have a third major league type catcher on this roster, in my opinion, or in the minors who they can call up September 1st. So the feeling is Maldonado's already here. It may as well be him moving forward. Jesse Rogers covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. He joins me, John the Hood and Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Two-part question about Bodie. What is your letter grade for Bodie, and what do you think his ceiling is in the big leagues? Oh, boy, that's a great question. That's a really good question. I don't think he's having a great year at all, obviously. I mean, defensively, he is not the same player he was last year. Offensively, he's had a few moments, but you know, nine, ten home runs these days, that's not that impressive. You've got to do some other things, and I think he struck out too much. So, long story short, can't give him anything higher than a C. Um, and, and let's consider his, where he came from, his draft status. He's not signed for big money, so you can't expect the world out of him. I thought he would be better. I thought he could turn himself into a quasi-starter, if not a starter, mostly because I knew he played good defense, but he has not done that this year. So I, I, I think the, the question about the ceiling, I, I may have to give you an incomplete. I'm not, I thought he'd be a better in, uh, infielder this year. He was so good last year. It's really mind-boggling. I've, I've meant to talk to him about it, but I haven't gotten around to it. So let's say a C, maybe even a C- minus, and an incomplete in terms of my answer for what his ceiling is. I need more time on that one. <laughs> okay. I'll come back to you uh, uh, next this time next year. I'll ask you about Bodie. Exactly. Uh, Thank you. Okay. Man, say anything interesting. Um, a little bit about that catcher rotation. He agrees if they keep three, it's going to be tricky. And remember, um, they had three in, in, in 15 and 16. Miguel Montero wasn't very happy with how that rotation went down. It's not easy to keep three catchers happy. The good news is Contreras and Curatini can play other positions. So um, Joe's got about a week to figure it out if they're going to ha- keep three, what that rotation will look like. Um, they're giving Alex Mills a chance tonight with Maldonado behind the plate. Kind of strange. Neither guy was on the team yesterday. And now they have a new, uh, this brand-new battery uh, that's going to face the Reds. And if they lose tonight, the Cubs will have lost four series against the Reds this year. So I think he's looking for a good five innings out of Mills and turn it over to the bullpen. 
um, and, and see where they go from there. So that, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the stuff pregame. I mean, the newsy stuff came last night with the trade. And, of course, uh, Joe wished Mike Montgomery well. The fit just wasn't here well. Uh, the fit just didn't work here this year. As, I, as Joe said, it, it's good for Montgomery. He thinks it's good for him. So I, I totally understand it. Um, yeah, 100% it's good for him, for sure. All right. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you know this, Jesse, but uh, I've been hearing that you have a book that's out, and I think that people need to know about it. Tell people about your book. Yeah, it's finally, it's about time you asked me about it, Jay Hood. I mean, I'm on every night with you, and you, you, you didn't bring, you, it's the first time you're bringing it up. Sorry. Today. Uh, first time today. Um, try Not to Suck, the definitive bio on Joe Madden. If you're curious about why he does this or why he does that, well, I write about it, and I write about when these thoughts came to him. It was way back when he was a player, when he was a coach in the minors with the Angels, when he was a manager with the Rays. He developed his style of leadership, you know, in the, in, over the past 40 years. We've only seen five years of it, but there was a lot of Joe Madden before he came to Chicago. You will enjoy it. Try not to suck. Thank you, my friend, as always. You got it. And one lineup change, uh, David Bell and the Reds have now – put the pitcher batting eighth. Well, that's a weird lineup change. Kyle Farmer's going to bat ninth. Anthony Descafani is going to bat eighth. Now, Bell does that a lot, the Reds manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, they had it the other way around, Descafani ninth. For some reason, late in the day here, he's changing. He's batting eighth. So what's Madden's move? <laughs> he's got to change yeah, that. Yeah, right, right exactly. <laughs> now, Madden's got to move Mills to eighth and Maldonado ninth. <laughs> if we get that announcement next. Yeah. Thank you, man. All right, buddy. Take care. Jesse Rogers covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN. Shy Cubs. He'll give us updates at the bottoms of the hour, right? As long as the Cubs survive this. The bottoms of the hour, 7.30, 8.30, and 9.30, if applicable, right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Uh, just one other thing about the Cubs before I move over to the White Sox. So um, here's what is uh, interesting. The Cubs are wearing the late 60s uniforms, the Ernie, uh, Billy, Ron Santo uniforms from the late 60s. That's the uniforms that they're donning today. And I can only think about 1969. That is a nightmare for Cubs fans of a certain age. When you think about what the Cubs went through, where that team was in contention, and then they were knocked off and not a playoff team. And I remember working with Mike Murphy all those years as a, his producer. And the excuse or the reason would be, it was so hot that summer in 69, they melted in the sun. Papa missed a pop-up. That kind of nonsense, right? Well, <clears throat> listen, I know that the Cubs' schedule has been arduous. There's no question about that. In the month of May and in June, it, you know, in... May, the Cubs had three off days on the 2nd and the 13th and the 17th. Uh, Just three between May and June. Atlanta's had five off days in the months of May and June. Milwaukee's had six off days. The Dodgers have had seven off days. Now, here's the thing. You can use that excuse or that reason why the Cubs are underachieving. Or you can look at what's real and just say that the ball club is just not playing up to its capabilities. It's as simple as that. I still am steadfast in the belief that the Cubs as a roster, the core of the roster, not all of it, because all of it it does not feel like 16. It doesn't feel like last year even. But I'm still in 
believing that the Cubs, as a core, should be good enough to play much better baseball than this. So when we talk about three off days in May and June, right, just three off days through those two months, the question was posed to Theo Epstein, is fatigue the problem? Joe understands the rhythms of the season and, and rest the importance of it is as much as, as anybody. It's the same. It's a tricky subject, though, because you, you don't. You also don't want to talk about it too much, or you end up using it as an excuse, and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. So, I think the best way to counter um, fatigue is to have tremendous depth. We typically have on this club, and this year, because of some underperformances, because of some decisions on my part that need to be better, like we haven't had quite the depth that we've had in years past is something we're actively trying to fix. I think that's the best way to combat fatigue. And then there's this from Theo with Waddle and Sylvie. At some point you are what you are and, and um, we, you know, we're going to we have an opportunity here to play really good baseball and separate ourselves. We've, you know, we've made the most errors in the league. We've made the most outs on the bases in the league and so some of those things are, are getting in the way of of, of us just letting our talent manifest consistently, we don't want to be known for that stuff. So you know, we, we just have to fix those little things and play better because you, you know, I could say that's not characteristic of who we are, but if you do it over a long stretch of time, you are how you play. So the guys in the clubhouse know that. You know, they, need, they know we need to clean that up and play consistent, assertive baseball, and we're, um, we're hopeful it's going to happen. Oh, so we are first to report that Joe Madden will return for a five-year contract because of that soundbite, right? Because he just painted himself into a corner saying that we have not been able to provide the quality depth for Joe, so that means that Madden's returning, right? See, you, you can't fall for the okey-doke. When you see underachievement, of course, it always falls on the head of the manager. But Theo Epstein is being transparent in telling you that he has not supplied the right depth for Joe Madden and the Cubs. I still believe the core is good enough to be able to win the division. However, I think that you have to look at it pretty simplistically, that when you look at this roster as, as in totality, it should be a lot better. There's no doubt. But I think that I'm not going to use the sun or I'm not going to use playing baseball as the reason why the Cubs are not playing good baseball. I'm not going to do it. We're not going to use the day games or we're not going to use the schedule you just have to play. It's 162 games. It's a lot of them. And you're not a Ben Zobrist away from getting to the World Series. You can bring him back. You can bring out back Uncle Rossi. You can bring back Miguel Montero. Bring back all those guys. And guess what? You're still not getting to where you need to be because you just know they just don't have it. You, you know what? When you see it in baseball, right? When I'm watching the Dodgers every night, I know that they have it. They don't have it this year. And I'm pointing at Baez, and I'm pointing at Schwarber and his bad on base percentage, and I'm pointing at Rizzo, and I'm pointing at Bryant, and the core of this team not coming through enough to be able to have that magic. They don't have the magic. They just don't have it. Glad that you're in here today. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let me just switch gears briefly and tell you about the Chicago White Sox. I'm not even going to play the soundbite because they don't deserve it. After losing to the Royals. Not even going to play it. It's one of the few times I'm not playing the Mel Allen Chicago White Sox. How about that? Because they lost to the Royals yesterday. And and here's what I'm going to do for the rest of the season. 
and and I know that Sox fans will say, you know, where's my Sox talk? I got the ruler out. I'm measuring the the column inches. How come you're not talking about the Sox? Where where's my Sox coverage? Your Sox coverage is in Kauffman Stadium. Getting his ass kicked. That's where your call. That's that's where your your coverage is. Getting his ass kicked at Kauffman Stadium to a bad baseball team. Here's your coverage. So I'm going to keep this in my file every time I talk about the White Sox. Now, every time I talk about the White Sox, I'm going to say. What if the two biggest words in entertainment, right? What if, what if you see Dane Dunning, Carlos Rodon, Dylan Cease, Lucas Gilito, and Michael Kopech as a starting rotation? Right? What if you had that? If you're the White Sox, what if you have Jace Fry and Aaron Bummer as your guys, your keys out of the bullpen? And what if in 2020 your team looks like McCann behind the plate, Zach Collins? Behind the, you know, or Zach Collins at first, there very well could be. Abreu as a DH, Andrew Vaughn on the team, Nick Madrigal, Tim Anderson, Yohan Moncada, Garcia as a utility guy. What if the Sox had that going for them? What if you have an outfield of Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez, Micker Adolfo, or Steel Walker? That is the future of the White Sox. What if? That was 2020. What if that's 2021 and you're contending? I'm just going to keep this handy. The what ifs. Because what we're seeing right now, you can trade the core and I'll be fine with it. Based on what's happening here. It's, uh... <laughs> and, and here's the thing. I've said this before about the White Sox. I understand that this is not the year for them to contend. But you can compete. You can do that. You can compete. You can you can actually do something, and and it's almost like when Tim Anderson went down with injury, the pin was in the balloon, like all of the good feeling, the good vibe for the White Sox ended. It's either that or that um, that really horrible pitcher that the Sox had for a while as a starter for that uh, Sunday game when it was sold out. I think it was Mother's Day or Father's Day. That guy they brought him in and they end up cutting him. I think that also was the pin in the balloon for the White Sox. So every time I talk about the White Sox now, I'm just going to talk about what could be in 2021. Because <laughs> otherwise, there's no story there. There's no story at all. All right, still to come, we'll have one question for you. It's going to be interesting. We're going to have a very special guest to ask that person the one question. Because they may not have time for the full interview, but they do have time for one question. We've got summer football coming up at the top of the hour. But coming up next... Do you love the NFL? Do you love the paired the NFL? Tell me about your feeling about the NFL. Because based on what's in front of me, I think the league is up for grabs again. We'll discuss it next. Jonathan Hood. So pay attention to my word. Because it's the truth. Meditation is the mind. It brings the youth. It's like a verse you could never read out of a book. Dropping the line in your mind like a fish hook. On ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. As the Cubs, it's the Reds. Here's Jesse Rogers with a report. Jesse? All right, things not going well for the Cubs so far. Jay Hood, 3 nothing. The Reds lead top of the second. I'm sure there's more than one Cubs fan thinking right now, well, Mike Montgomery can do this for us. 
if we need someone to eat up some innings. Because right now, Alec Mills is doing nothing on the mound. He gave a home run to Suarez in the first. Okay, that's going to happen. The guy hits a lot of them. Then he hit Puig and Dietrich on back-to-back pitches with two outs. And then Senzo, as Puig was stealing third, hit a base hit perfectly placed between second and, or excuse me, short and third as Bryant was moving towards the bag. That scored a run. Then Peraza doubled. That scored a run as well, but they were able to cut down Senzo at the plate. Alvin Amora Jr. with a fantastic catch in the first inning as well to keep the damage at a minimum. But three runs in the first there. Then Mills hit another batter in the second. So two outs, man on first. Mills with a home run given up, three hit batters, and three hits as well. Unbelievable start for him right now as the Cubs trail 3 nothing. top the second. Back to you. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll have Summer of Football coming up at the top of the hour with two-time Super Bowl champion and also analyst for the Big Ten Network. It is Howard Griffith. We'll talk to him coming up about the Big Ten. You know, Big Ten Media Day is right around the corner, so we'll talk to him uh, doing a little college football conversation. We had it covered for you every night, weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So why do you like the National Football League? Why do you like the NFL? Is it because of the parody? Is it because of the fantasy football aspect so you can win money pretty much off of the league? The gambling aspect of it? Why do you have an emotional interest in the NFL? Is it because of your team, maybe because generationally you were a fan of a certain team and you just have always been a fan of that team and it's just something that you pass on from generation to generation. But you know, maybe one of the reasons why that you enjoy watching the NFL is because nobody is great in the NFL. There isn't one great team in the NFL. I've been coining the phrase for years that the NFL... Everybody's 8-8. Eight and eight. It, it all depends on what you do with that 8-8 eight and eight to separate yourself from other teams. And so when I take a look at ESPN.com and the piece that they wrote, Lewis Riddick, Kevin Seifert, and Field Yates came together on ESPN.com and wrote a piece called NFL Future Power Rankings, Projections for All 32 Teams for the Next Three Seasons. It's a really intriguing piece because it kind of gives you an overview of how those three look at the NFL. The number one team that they cited for the next three years with upside, when they look at quarterback, coaching, draft, front office, and those are things that you want to for your favorite team, right? You want to have a quality quarterback. You want to have a coach that you're not going to fire and flip every couple of years. You want to be able to be able to be at least 85% on your draft, and also you want to have a solid front office that is stable. They have the Indianapolis Colts as number one on this list. A general manager with a plan, an experienced coaching staff with acumen, a star quarterback who 
uh, put lingering health concerns to bed last season, a developing defensive nucleus, a stud offensive line, exciting young pass rushers and pass catchers, and a healthy salary cap situation. So they put the Colts at number one on this list. Number two on the list is the New England Patriots. It's not quite Alabama football. It's not quite um, the Golden State Warriors of the past where it's guaranteed that the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl every year. But you know that they're always in the mix. They're always lingering. Someone can beat them, sure. But you know that because of how they run, the best quarterback we've ever seen, the best head coach we've ever seen, you give them the benefit of the doubt, obviously, right? Whether you like them or not, they continue to be at least in the mix for the Super Bowl. Number three on the list is the Philadelphia Eagles. They talk about Carson Wentz, and they talk about what Nick Foles isn't anymore because he's not he's isn't around anymore to be the backup. But they look at overall roster at number one. They look at the quarterback at number five. They look at the coaching as number six. They see the draft is number four, and front office is third, according to the guys that wrote this piece. So the Chiefs are four. The Seahawks are five. The Steelers are six. The Saints are seven, the Rams are eight, the Browns are nine, the Chargers are ten. And now you're thinking, Bears fans, where are the Bears? As far as quarterback, as far as coaching, draft, front office, where are the Bears amongst the best teams in the National Football League? The answer is number 11. An overall score of 80.5. That's your score. Here's what they say about the Bears. Having a starting quarterback on a rookie contract allowed GM Ryan Pace to aggressively hunt for top-tier talent led by the trade for Khalil Mack last September. Paired that approach with an innovative second-year coach in Matt Nagy who relates well to every player on the roster, not just those he coaches more closely on offense. And the ingredients are in place for sustained success. Underline that, sustained success. As is the case with several teams on the list, the next step for this franchise is tied to the ascent of young quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky was far better in year two than year one, but questions about his ability to be a franchise player remain. The biggest worry on this list, according to Lewis Riddick, and Riddick, by the way, had the Bears going to the Super Bowl, I believe winning it last year, way over the top on that prediction for a young quarterback and first-year head coach, but he felt good about the defense. He thought that that defense would be good enough to be able to push the Bears over the top. And if it wasn't for Cody Parkey, maybe maybe we would have seen the Bears in the Super Bowl losing to the Patriots. It says Pace and Nagy on the same page. He says they have the working relationship needed to win in the NFL. So they signed Robinson, traded for Mack, and drafted Roquan Smith, the building blocks for the future. It's now Maserati Mitch time. That's Riddick's writing. I don't know why he would call someone that is a Yugo a Maserati. <laughs> but nonetheless, Trubisky in these, I mean, come on. You're not going to call, he's a guy here with a 70 Madden rating and he's a Maserati. Anyway. Trubisky in his third overall season and second with Nagy is expected to take a huge leap this season in terms of his execution. So when you think about why you're into the NFL, I think you're into the NFL. I think some could say I'm into the NFL because everybody, 
not everybody has a chance. But if you know a good team when you see it, and it's not one of these things where there's one team dominating the National Football League. It's not just one. What's happening is is that you have a number of teams that have a chance. Those teams I just mentioned, the Chargers, what do they have in common with some of these other teams? They got Phillip Rivers as a quarterback. There's the Browns, who I think is a little high, quite frankly. Um, their coaching, their ranking coaching is number 26. Yeah, because he just, Freddie Kitchen just got there. But somehow the Browns ranked as the number nine team in the NFL, according to these three. The Rams, funny about the Rams, I asked JD, Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Bears for NFL Nation on ESPN.com, I said, okay, compare the NBA and the NFL in this regard. NBA players say, I want to go to a winning team. Like, they'll look at Los Angeles with the Clippers and the Lakers, clearly. They'll look at Philadelphia or Milwaukee. They look at teams that they feel they can win a championship with. I said, what's the NFL equivalent to that? And he said, a lot of players talk about the Rams. And they talk about Los Angeles. Because if you're a Ram, you know that the Lakers are the number one team. You just do what you do best. You have Sean McVay as a young head coach, just like Matt Nagy is a young head coach. And he says that L.A., for some players, is a spot. Like, yeah, you know, like the Lakers or the Clippers or certain spots around the NBA, clearly Brooklyn. But in the NFL, he says that there are a lot of players that look at the Rams and say, hmm, that's interesting. Because of the young coach, because of what they have. It's a good team. So the Rams are, what do they have in common? Again, good young coach, still waiting on golf, seeing what golf can bring. But at least he got to the Super Bowl, right? So Saints, here you got Drew Brees, a veteran quarterback. You've got Sean Payton, who's been around for a long time. You've got the, the Steelers, even though there's some things that have to change, but Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer. No Antonio Brown, but still, you know, again, you could always give Mike Tomlin the benefit of the doubt to at least get in the mix in the playoffs. Um, Seahawks are on this list, as I mentioned. Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, number one with their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, by the way, could be, he could be the first, gosh, $40 million quarterback. Forty million a year, that very well could happen for him. He's 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 that good, and he could throw a football out of the stadium. Did you see that over the weekend? This video of him throwing the football out of Arrowhead Stadium. I thought it was a rib, and it actually is true. It was actually he actually did it. I was surprised, uh, but I just think that one of the reasons why that we're in the NFL is because hey. You know, you go all the training camps you want. You can read all you want about your favorite team. But if your team has a quarterback, has a front office, has a coach you can believe in, hey, you know what? You have half a chance. And that's, and I think that's not a bad thing. Glad that you're in with me here. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Um, oh, so I saw this too. Um, Davis sent me this from Michael Robinson from the NFL Network. So Bucky Brooks wrote this piece on NFL.com. We haven't had, we gotta get Bucky we gotta get Bucky on this summer. Um, ranking defensive triplets. Mmm, triplets. Ranking defensive triplets, a growing trend in NFL team building. So he has a list here of a total domination of individual and collective battles serving as the standard. Here's his top five defensive triplets heading into the twenty nineteen season. So he starts off with, of course, the Rams, right? We talk about the hot teams. I mean, the Rams with Ingram and James and Joey Bosa. That's number one, the Chargers. Um, then we go with Demarcus Lawrence, 
Jalen Smith and Vander Esch from the Cowboys. That's number two. And number three on this list, number three on this list, is the Chicago Bears. Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, and Eddie Jackson. Who wouldn't want to have those three, right? And so some thoughts uh, from earlier today from Michael Robinson from the NFL Network talking about the best defensive triplets. Where does he have the Bears on his list? I like the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, I like those three. You talk about Akeem Hicks, who is the most immovable object in the National mm-hmm. Football League right now. And he makes plays, man. Like, this dude doesn't get enough credit. Uh, a lot of times, they get one-on-ones on the outside because you have to worry about Akeem Hicks. And then Khalil Mack, whenever he says, I want to get to the quarterback, guess what, guys? He gets to the quarterback whenever he wants. He's a grown man um, out there. And then uh, Eddie Jackson on the back end um, uh, creating turnovers. 36 forced turnovers last year. 27 interceptions. Only 17.7 points per game. Lead tops in the National Football League. And they only gave up 80 rushing mm. yards a game. Guys, and all of those players are back this year. I'm sorry, man. It has to be the Chicago Bears. See? And this is why I'll just dig my heels in and say the defense will be fine. Yes, the terminology is different with Chuck Pagano. doesn't mean that because there's a new voice in the room that, oh, well, Vic Fangio's not here, so we suck. We can't play. You can play. Suit up. Let's go. It's about health, and it's about production. Bears can do that. If the Bears take a little bit of a step back defensively, they're still a solid unit. If something happens with Khalil Mack, and I mean, God forbid that happens, you know, you still have a very solid unit. And many, many would love to have Eddie Jackson as a safety on their football team. Who doesn't love Eddie Jackson? And so I like this list. Michael Robinson from the NFL Network has the Bears at number one. Bucky Brooks has the Chargers at one. The Cowboys at two. The Bears at three. The Rams, who I talked about earlier with Aaron Donald, Fowler Jr. and Marcus Peters. Also Eric Weddle, the safety. And Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and Chris Harris Jr. from the Broncos at number five. I will mention the Houston Houston Ball Club with J.J. Watt, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, They also get a a little bit of a mention here. But that's your top five. And the Bears in the top three. There you go. Just because there's a new coach in place doesn't necessarily mean that the the Bears are going to be bad defensively or because Vic is not in the room. I think they're going to be fine. Because I always look at that unit and say, you know, even before you knew Vic Fangio was an influence, the team was good. That unit was very good. All right. We will have summer football coming up for you at the top of the hour. One question is next. Jonathan Hood. Photo shoot fresh. Looking like wealth. I'm about to call a paparazzi on myself. Uh. On ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad to have you in today. We do summer of football coming to the top of the hour. We'll hear from Howard Griffith, Chicago Zone. Big Ten Network, two-time Super Bowl champion. We'll hear from Howard coming up after SportsCenter. All right. You know, sometimes people just don't have time for a full interview like Howard Griffith, but sometimes people have time for at least 
At least one question. You guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. It is time for one question. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I told Sean, go through your phone. I'll go through my phone. Find someone to talk to us for at least one question. He went through his phone. We went to the A's, the L's, the B's, the S's. And I said, wait, wait, stop right there. And we found my college classmate. (laughs) I found the great Sam Silk. Go to samsilk.com to find Sam Silk, the greatest DJ that I've ever been around. And he joins me here on ESPN 1000. Hello, Sam. Jonathan, hello. What's up, brother? What's up, man? How's Cleveland? Uh, it's raining and uh, no championships right now until, uh, until uh, you know, uh, football. <laughs> right. Well, let me let me tell you this. I'm going to tell you a story, Sam Silk, that I've told people at ice, you know, it's, it's icebreakers at parties when I tell this story. People, yeah. people ask me how come I'm in. How come I've been doing sports talk radio for over 25 years? And I say, well, the reason why is because of Sam Silk. And they say, really? I said, yeah. So Sam was so Sam, you were so good in college. There is no way I could touch you. <laughs> so I said, well, <laughs> if I can't reach your level, might as well talk for a living. <laughs> so that you the man, man, you the man, <laughs> That's so that's so people wonder like, hey, weren't you a DJ for a couple years? Yep, but then I ran to Sam and I said I can't reach that. So I'm, now I wish I to now I wish I was could do your job and talk less. <laughs> let's let's switch. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh that's, man. Uh, Man, how you been, brother? I'm good. I'm, I'm just doing the show. I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, You're so. doing great. You're doing extraordinary, man. Yes. Doing real good, man. I'm really proud, man. Uh, you know, to, to know you, uh, to to uh, uh, see where you are, where you're going, how you're entertaining Chicago. Uh, it was just like yesterday. We were at Kennedy King College, and uh, you know, we were all pumped and charged and excited, man, to be. Uh, you know, broadcasters, radio, uh, TV personalities, and to, to see you do what you do, man. Uh, I'm so happy for you, brother. Same here, man. The same here. So are you ready for one question, sir? One question. One question. What you got for me? Sam Silk, here's your one question. What, okay. What, who is the, the worst groupie that you've dealt with in the business? <laughs> the worst groupie. Wow. Okay, uh, I, I, I'll tell you a story real quick. Uh, I was at uh, WOUI, uh, uh, and this was at IIT. They had a radio station, low, real low-powered radio station. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- this is when we would meet people over the phone. Don't judge me. I met, <laughs> met this lady over the phone, and I left the radio station to go meet her. You know, college kids, you know how it is. Yeah. And then... Um, I say, hey, I'll have on a bull's jacket. And uh, meet me here. I meet her there. <laughs> and this is this is girl eating cookies. Like, you know, you you, you know, I was that movie with the girl with the, with the uh, 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 Friday, like Friday, Friday. Right. So, 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 so she's there eating these cookies. She's like, hey, you sell silk? I'm like, no way. 
and she didn't sound or look nothing like she did. You know, she didn't sound. She looked nothing like she did over. You know, you know how you put it in your mind, like, oh, she must look like this. She didn't look nothing like she sound. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. And you still met yeah. with her. You still went out with her. No, that was it. But she kept calling and calling and calling and calling the station. She was my sometimes my only caller for the show. Give <laughs> <laughs> me my respect. On ESPN 1000, 